Hi guys, this is Dillis. Hello there, this is Jacob Minang. Welcome to another episode of the Let's Talk podcast. Today we are on week seven of the 52 weeks devotional reading from chapter seven of my book, Fighting the Good Fight. The chapter for today is chapter seven, Pruning the Fruits of Greed. As usual, I would start by reading and right after the reading, um, Jacob and I would uh, talk about some of the things we think you should focus on this week as you go through your devotional program with your spouse or your significant other. Before we do that, Jacob, you want to lead us in a word of prayer? Absolutely. Let's pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of the faithful and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. O Lord, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant that by the same Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Chapter 7. Pruning the Fruits of Greed. Scripture passage. Put to death, then, the earthly desires at work in you, such as greed. For greed is a form of idolatry. Colossians 3 verse 5. When we think of greed, it's easy to envision a wealthy individual or a powerful politician who always wants more. While it is natural to judge them, it's equally important to reflect on how greed manifests in our own lives. Greed doesn't discriminate based on wealth. Even those with limited resources, can exhibit greed. You can be greedy in the way you demand love. You can be greedy in the way you demand sex. And you can be greedy in the way you give of yourself, time, and resources to others around you. And yes, of course, you can be greedy in the way you accumulate material wealth, such as property and money. In this chapter, we will explore the various ways in which greed can affect our lives and relationships. The spirit of greed, when allowed to take root, creates space for idolatry and the sorcery of material possession, ultimately leading to problems within marriage couples. Greed becomes a driving force that consumes the heart and minds of individuals, causing them to prioritize material wealth and possession above all else. As the desire for more intensifies, the focus shifts from the sacred bonds of marriage to the accumulation of worldly goods. The pursuit of material possession becomes an obsession, leading to a distortion of priorities and neglect of the emotional and spiritual needs of both partners. Instead of fostering a deep connection based on love, trust, and mutual support, greed fosters an environment of competition and selfishness. The material possessions that were meant to bring joy and comfort 
become objects of worship, drawing attention away from the true essence of marriage and causing strife and dissatisfaction within the relationship. In the presence of greed, couples find themselves drifting apart. Their hearts consumed by the pursuit of material gain rather than fostering a thriving and fulfilling marriage built on love, compassion, and shared value. Greed can manifest differently for each person. Some individuals occasionally succumb to desires that aren't necessary, while others are completely consumed by the spirit of greed, amassing things they don't need. The latter group begins to idolize and worship this possession, exemplifying the fruits of idolatry and sorcery. Picture setting up a lavish dining table that no one, not even the owner, can use, or accumulating valuable items that are off limits to others. At this extreme end of the spectrum, even self-deprivation becomes a norm. For instance, keeping money in the bank for a rainy day while struggling to meet present needs, or building a grand mansion in one's place of birth without having a comfortable home for the current family. Regardless of where we fall on this spectrum, the consequences of harboring greed are damaging and detrimental to our marriages. The first consequence of greed is becoming trapped in a vicious cycle. Many individuals work tirelessly to earn more money, but find themselves perpetually burdened by debt. They spend their earnings on unnecessary material possessions, leading to a constant need for more income leaving little time for personal well-being. If you relate with this scenario, you may be trapped by the spirit of greed. Loss of shame is another consequence of allowing greed into our life. Sirach 23 verse 6. When consumed by greed, we become blind to our wrongdoings and fail to correct ourselves. Others may recognize our flaws but our inflated sense of self prevents us from acknowledging our mistakes. This loss of shame can manifest as wickedness towards others. Romans 1 verse 29 and 2 Maccabees 4 verse 50. As we become unable to empathize or offer assistance, often adding to the burden of those around us. Moreover, greed leads us to lie both to others and ourselves in an attempt to cover up our tracks. First Thessalonians 2 verse 5 and 2 Peter 2 verse 3. This self-deception breeds stubbornness, pushing us further down a destructive path despite evidence of destruction that awaits you on that path. Isaiah 57 verse 17. Similar to the rich man who tore down perfectly fine bonds to build bigger ones. Luke 12 verse 15. And the prophet Eli 
who discriminated against God's people due to greed, 1 Samuel 2, verse 29. We risk losing everything or leaving it behind for others to plunder. To prevent this, we must reject the spirit of greed and allow the Lord to prune away the negative fruits that greed has borne in our lives and marriages. Reflection question. In your marriage, how have you seen greed manifest itself? Whether in demanding excess love, possessiveness of resources, or pursuing material wealth, how can you both actively work together to address and overcome these manifestations of greed? Action step for the week. This week, take some time to reflect together on your material possessions and how they may be influencing your lives and relationship. Identify one unnecessary item or possession that you can let go of or donate to someone in need. Discuss the reasons behind this decision and how it aligns with your value of contentment and generosity. Thank you, Delis, for, for that very nice read uh, of chapter seven of fighting the good fight, and that's proning the fruits of greed. So you're, go ahead, Delis. No, I was just going to say you're welcome. Um, I think you, we'll start by just maybe putting this fruits of greed in, a, in, in the, the context, context of the of last the seven weeks, right? Right, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And it's actually last seven weeks, but there was a, like a, an asterisk. There was an introductory week before the seven uh, weeks. So yeah. we have an introductory chapter that you missed that name, missed the whole the whole context of the book. Uh, so the last seven weeks plus the 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 the, the, the week that start, that started before those seven weeks, uh, Delis introduced to fighting the good fight, and she introduced it with an introductory chapter that talked about the importance as a family to set a vision, because as the Bible says, our people perish for lack of a vision. So as a family, you have to have a vision, but that vision has to have God as the fulcrum because there has to be a mission first before you have that shared vision. And the mission for your family uh, is keeping yourself united with God ultimately. So the, uh, being united with God is a North Star. And as I repeat again, as a Catechism of Catholic Church tells you, the very first question is, why did God make us? He made us to know him, love him, and be with him forever in heaven. That third one, be with him forever in heaven, should be your mission as a family. And from there should then flow your vision, uh, what, what, what your, own, your own purpose for, for, for being on earth. And that purpose then as a family, and the family unit then will be the step-by-step -step process that you take towards that family vision, which then automatically takes you to your mission. And that was introductory chapter. But then this follows that now with, 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 with three chapters that talk, that, that talk about the, 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 the things and ex the expectations for husband and wife to, to make your, your marriage work and opens up with the with St. Paul's letter to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 to 33. But verse 21, that tells you, husband and wife, submit yourself to each other as Christ to the church. And so how does the husband submit to the wife? In the first chapter, the list details that by saying that the husband has to submit to the wife with love and to be able to submit to the wife with love the husband needs three key ingredients or or, or or facts that are assumed the husband has to come at it recognizing that there's unity of body of mind and of spirit 
for them to be coupled. That's why we say one plus one is one. And for flowing from that unity should be the concept of selflessness, self-sacrifice. And then flowing from that is the virtue of humility, which goes with gentleness, and then ultimately the virtue of grace. Grace meaning unmerited favor. If the husband understands the three components, it's easy for husband to submit with love. This follows that with the second chapter where she talks about authority. The man being the authority, being the head of the household, the captain of the ship. And his authority is not by because of something that the man earns, as Dilly explains, but it's an authority that's given to him by God. And so his exercise of that authority has to reflect his recognition of the fact that it comes from God and he's exercising the authority to lead them towards the family attending its mission. And so he's going to exercise that authority with what? With, 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 with humility. And he's going to and, and he's going to exercise it with love and he's going to be participatory and definitely create a permissive environment for the wife to flourish. And so flowing from the man's authority then, obviously, the list then introduces how the wife has to be submissive to the husband in chapter three, which is submitting with respect. You know, if the way there's authority, what the authority expects in return is what? Respect. Mm -hmm. And and, and the, the authority in this case automatically earns that respect because if the husband knows where the, the authority is derived from, he's going to be able to exercise the authority the right way. Mm -hmm. But then in chapter four, this actually then tells us what the obvious question is. With all of this, this so clear, why do marriages struggle? Actually, almost all marriages, if not all, struggle. The struggle because our bodies, as the Bible says, are the, 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 the temple of the Holy Spirit. So these are vessels that have to be filled by the Spirit. If they are not filled by the Holy Spirit, they're going to be filled by other spirits. So you need the Holy Spirit to hold your marriage together. And this title is chapter 4, The Court That Binds, which, which in which it embraces the importance of having the Holy Spirit in your life. Mm -hmm. The spirit that brings you with all its fruits and all, all his fruits and all his uh, uh, gifts. And that about caps section one of the book. Mm -hmm. Now we move to section two of the book that started in, with chapter five. And this introduces chapter five with the pruning process. The importance of any gardener to be able to prune his fruits for it to do well, to be able mm -hmm. to cut off some branches that are getting in the way, or even mm -hmm. just prune some leaves or twigs from the regular branches that you need that bearing the fruits. I think it goes back also, Jacob, to those um, what, to that question of why are we not doing this very simple thing of submitting to each other with love and respect. That yeah. very simple thing. And you say that it needs the Holy Spirit for us to be able to do that. And so the reason why we are not thriving at doing those simple things is because the Holy Spirit is missing. And why is the Holy Spirit missing? It's because in our lives, we've opened up ourselves and allowed all the spirits to come in yeah. and they have come in and they have um, um, helped us or, or enabled us to grow some bad fruits within us. So you have to kind of to get yourself to the point where the Holy Spirit can be within you and reside and stay permanently and lead you and help you to go through this process. You you have to go through this pruning, pruning process, process right. where this this the where God as the gardener, right? Because the chapter says. Jesus is the vine and we are the branches and, and Father God is the gardener. Is the gardener. So God as the oh. gardener uses the challenges that he puts you and your spouse in or your family. He uses those hardships as moments that he helps to prune away some of those fruits that you have, that you've allowed the spirit, the other spirits to come in and help you grow, to prune away those so that the Holy Spirit can really sit 
comfortable in you and grow some more healthy foods. Yeah. So we get into the, the next section where we start talking about what are these foods, right? Because these foods come from somewhere. And so we're talking about- So these are fruits of, 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 of the other spirit, the bad yes, spirit that can fill you. And, I and... kind of made a play here and titled it. This is like the seven cardinal spirits. Right. But, but really they're the, the seven- so cardinal uh, sins. Cardinal, cardinal vices. Yeah. yeah, cardinal vices. And so when you look at those seven cardinal spirits, they do have other things, they other have, fruits. They, that they, they, they bear fruits, right? Yeah. yeah. In chapter six, we talk about pride. pride as one of the first uh, cardinal vices, one of the yeah. spirit, and then lead out the three fruits that 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 are born by this uh, by that uh, spirit. There are so many fruits, but Dilly's yeah. focus on the we three that, on... that mostly affect our marriages, yes, and that is yes. that, that of 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 rivalry, of division, and and of and of envy. Mm -hmm. Yes, right. Yeah. And 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 this week now, Dilly's Dilly's was taking up on chapter seven the second spirit, which is the spirit of greed. And then yeah. we're gonna go through the fruits that that spirit that, that spirit of greed would bring. Yeah, so in essence, now that we're talking about the spirit greed, of yeah. greed, it's important for us to start with the scripture passage that helps us to understand the spirit. And this passage comes from Colossians 3 verse five, where it says, put to death then, the earthly desires at work in you, such as greed. So, it, and, and it goes on to advise you that greed is a form of idolatry, right? So, so should, idolatry is a fruit of greed, therefore is a yes. fruit of the spirit of greed. Yeah, yeah. So we need to be mindful about those. And really, I start the chapter by talking about these two myths that uh, we've lived so long in this world believing. We believe that, you it's only rich people that are greedy and poor, and, people, and poor people cannot be greedy yeah and that is so far from the truth right because really you can be greedy in any situation you find yourself in i mean think about the little child that is born and you hand them over um to a candy right you hand that child over a candy and you turn around and the very next minute you show out your hand and say, please, can you share your candy? And they move it to their back and they're yeah. hiding the candy on their back or they just close their finger if the candy can fit. They exactly. just close their palm the candy can fit their, fit their palm. Exactly. Yeah. So that already tells you that greed is something that any one of us can allow into our lives. And when you allow it into your life, it bears real hard consequences. And some of those things that, when you allow greed into your life, some of the ways that we can be greedy in is we talk about the ways manifest, like the, the chapter goes into the way this thing manifests, where you can be greedy in the way you demand love. And I, I, I used to be guilty of that. I mean, I start the book by telling you guys about, um, if you read the very the introductory chapter, I start by telling you about the fact that, that like, there was a time in our marriage at the very beginning where Jacob could not do everything well. It's like... I couldn't do anything right. <laughs> yeah, it's like... There, there was nothing that could be done that... that even that when really... he spent time with me, yeah. it was not enough. You know, it, it was not enough for the gifts he gave, how the gifts were wrapped. So those were all just me manifesting my greediness in the way I was demanding of your time, of your love, of your attention. Right. And all of us have that. How many times have you heard a spouse say, oh, I don't know what to do with this woman. She is just too demanding. 
or I don't know what to do with this man. He is just too demanding. He wants me by his side, his side 24 seven. So I think we need to be mindful about that. Those, when you start hearing them, those are the spirit of greed, right? That and you is, can be greedy actually in the way you demand sex, even though sex is, is sacrosanct and, and, and they say it's like the main thing, one of the very key components or ingredients of a marital relationship. Mm -hmm. but, 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 but they can be greed in the way you act demand sex because sex or, or making love in marital embrace is, 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 is the one act in marriage that's supposed to actually come from a position of sacrifice. It's in mm -hmm. giving that you receive. Yeah. You should be getting into it looking forward to to make your spouse happy, to satisfy yeah. your spouse, mm -hmm. and in return, you get satisfaction. But if you're always coming into it, calculating how much you can get out of it, then you could be greedy in that process, yeah. inadvertently. And I think this is a very good one that we should focus on a little bit, as you guys do, for the couples that are doing the 52 weeks devotional. Spend some time to talk about how this particular one affects your marriage, because um, a lot of the times, are you the one that is constantly saying, okay, there's not enough. What is going on? There's not enough. Look at it. Start examining yourself from, am I allowing my greed? Am I allowing the spirit of greed to drive the way I demand of this? Right? Because like we talked about earlier, when we treated the intimacy chapter, sex is like a prayer. It's a sacred activity between you, your wife, and God. Right? And so once as you come to it with greed, it takes away your ability to come to it with the sacrifice of self if you are harboring greed in you. And so it turns that act from the sacred consecrated prayer that you and your spouse do where you meet God into a a a, a a dirty little thing that is no longer the one, the one person can feel exploited or taken yes. advantage of or, yes. or, or used for that yes. matter. So, uh, yeah. so ask yourself, is this me? Again, Jacob and I are telling you to ask yourself, is it me? Don't it should ask be an introspection. It's not a question of that person. It yes. has to be a self-examination. Yes. Ask That's yourself, is this me? Is this me right. in this relationship? And if it's you, we're going to talk about how you can work on this in the right. little bit. You can also be very greedy in the way you share of, you give of yourself, your time, your resources to others, right? Especially in the family, right? Are you the, are you the type that thinks I need to, to, to hold these things for myself? Are you the one that will come into the house and you're thinking about, I need my space. I need my time to do me, right? Nothing wrong with doing you. But you cannot build a relationship where you come into the house, the kids are screaming, everything is happening, and you ask for your time to do you. You need to help. You need to jump in. You need to be part of this. Don't let the spirit of greed fool you into thinking it's okay for you to be you. Yeah, and I think the list, even this that concept of, 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 of greed actually also speaks to the concept of tithing. Where to 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 tie it, it means giving to to support giving to support your your church community right because yeah. in the religious community is the only way by which you manifest or you express your spirituality and 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 the concept of tithing however you look at that ten percent the understanding of it is that it's it's giving of of your of time talent and treasure mm -hmm. by whatever level at which you are blessed with those three things you might yeah. be blessed more with time. 
How do you give of that time generously? May we bless more with talent. Well, how do you give of that generously? May we bless more with treasure or all three at different levels. So, so you, and that's why the beginning list clearly, clearly expanded on the fact that greed is not only accumulating material things which you're thinking about treasure. It's also about how you use your time and how you're willing to, to give up your time. It's how you give up your talent because your talent might not be direct money, but because you're able to do some creative things just in your hand or, or whatever, mm -hmm. you're, you're able to, to, to sacrifice that for the benefit of your community, your church yeah. community, your marriage in this case. And, and, and then of course, finally, you can be greedy in the way you accumulate material wealth, such as property and money, which is kind of a given. Yeah. Of course, but if we go back, I want couples to also do some some introspect introspection here with this ta time talent. You actually bought it yourself. Yeah. It's your your talent, your time, your resources, right? Mm -hmm. Go back and look at how am I giving to my family? Mm -hmm. What am I giving to my family in terms of my talent, my time? And my research. Are you maximizing your capacity yes. in each of those? Are you or are you barely just dragging yourself along and yeah. grumbling and complaining? Yeah. Make no mistake, that's how you're called to submit to each other through acts of grace, right? Whether it's respect, are you respecting each other from the wife's perspective? And husbands, are you giving of this? Are you giving of your talent, your time, and your resources, right? And all of you are called to do this in some variation. Right, so don't let the spirit of greed make you hold back. I mean, Jacob, how many times do we hear a couple say, "I'm gonna hide this," and we talked about unity of finance. Well, 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 you go, you go shopping, and you come and leave the things in the trunk, and leave the car in the garage because you're waiting for for me to leave the house. Or, uh, or uh, I knew rush, he was. You can rush back to the garage and guys, take out those things from the trunk I of the car. I knew he was not gonna let this passage pass without bringing that one up. Yeah. Yes. A lot of us do that. Yes, I, I I used to do that. I am getting a lot better now. I don't do that no more. When I came to the to the realization that this is actually the spirit of greed controlling me. Right. This was not. Maybe you have to be sneaking behind your husband or your wife uh, yes. with, with purchases that that tells you that your family yeah. doesn't need those things. Yeah. Maybe if 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 it's just you that needs it and it doesn't fit in the context of the success of your family, then. You're, 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 you're being occupied by the spirit of greed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, and that's what's going to lead down to the, the other, the bad fruits, one of the yeah. most of which is idolatry yeah. and, and, and sorcery. Okay. So in, in terms of that, Jacob goes right into that. The fruits that really do affect your marriage, the fruits that really come in is that idolatry and sorcery, right? And, and for those things that cause you to start prioritizing material possessions above all else, right? You accumulate all kinds of worldly goods. You're obsessed in the pursuit of all of these material possessions. And it can be so bad that can lead to an illness that we only learned it when we came to the West because we don't have this problem back home, <laughs> which is called hoarding. Yes. Somebody gets to their house and they barely have space to be able to put their feet or yeah. navigate their way through the house. And you don't know what is where, but you just keep gathering those things. Yeah. You, you have that uh, temporary fleeting high you acquire the thing and then it goes away you need to keep acquiring and they keep acquiring, keep acquiring. And, yeah, yeah a mindless uh, game that never ends mm -hmm. yeah and this totally distorts your priority right because yeah. you start in neglecting your emotional and spiritual needs and, of yourself and the reason why you're neglecting that emotional and spiritual is because you think i am you're filling that in with 
with the tangible goods. Right. You, yeah, you're, you're building that, that some sort of a new temple that you worship, right? Yeah, you're so getting that there. emotional highs. You're getting those spiritual highs that you should truly be getting them from your connection with, with your, your creator. You're starting to get them from those things that you buy and accumulate. You buy that new dress. And I'm sure if you're listening to my voice and you've heard, you've felt this before, if this is you, you'll be like, yeah, Dillis, this is me. You buy that new dress and you get this high, this feeling of, oh my goodness, that feeling is very fleeting. If you, if you really think about it, because once as it drops, you're back to the store to buy a new one, to buy the new shoe, to buy the latest uh, um, uh, uh, goods or, or something. So it's very important to start thinking about how is this crowding out your space, your spiritual space? How are these things crowding out your spiritual space? I realized in my life, Jacob, that um, when my closet is full, my spiritual life is chaotic. Right. Like every time you clean up your clothes, it's like there's some fresh air that has been breathed into your spiritual life. Yes. Until the next time that you have to circle back again to clean out the closet. And I have to go clean out the closet again. And there seems to be a direct correlation between the fresh air and the fresh breath of fresh air you feel in your spiritual life and this this scantiness of your closet. Mm -hmm. That it gives you that breathing room. Yeah. Yeah. And for some strange reason, I feel that as well. Just, Just very practical things, right? I could get up in the morning when my closet is full and I take 30 minutes to decide what to wear. Right. But when my closet is not full, I decide what to wear within a minute or two. Yeah. And, and I that, spend the remaining run, 28 run, minutes. That's why when we're running late to go to church. Exactly. You're trying to figure out what dress to wear for church. Yeah. Can you imagine that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So again, for those of you that can relate with, with some of the, the struggles in life, just I hope you're starting to see that this is not you. This is not the you that we created. This is the you that has allowed the spirit of greed to kind of roam around in your life. And you need to take hold of that and and do some, what do they say, catharsis? Do some cleaning yeah, and, out. And, and there's still a lot of consequences be, yeah. besides those manifestations. We're just point how it manifests because suddenly there's lots of shame. You know, it, because you, yeah. you become you become numb to the fact that you're just gathering things, and there are a lot of people around you that need some of those things that have been in your closet for four years, yeah. five years. And, Before and we even touched. go to consequences, right? Let's talk about why it becomes idolatry. Because you start worshiping those things, absolutely right. And how do you know you're worshiping those things? Have you ever had the moment where you've bought this vase and kept in the house? And a child knocks it down and that messes your whole it's like the energy, the world, your yeah. mood, right? It messes your whole mood. And this is just something that it's a vase. It's and, not, and it becomes things. And those things become the sources of, of quarrel. They become the basis yes. of you guys having fights. Yes. And what that can actually make you start drifting apart because yeah. the way you react to that child, it, 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 it might trigger your spouse to say a thing or two that by the time somebody counts down three days down the line, they don't remember what was the initial no. cause of the acrimony in the house. And now you're going into the sorcery part, exactly, right? Yes. You, you're going into that sorcery part because, I mean... It's what they literally call witchcraft. Witchcraft, yeah, you know? You don't even remember how this fight starts a week after. But <laughs> yeah. if you have people that are not talking to each other anymore or they're sleeping yeah. with their backs to each other or yeah. they're already going to slippery, slippery rooms. And now we can go to those consequences you were trying to talk about, Jacob. Which loss is of shame. That loss of shame. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, it's before in the sense of loss of shame, it's really, when you think about it, right, 
you get to the point where you don't even notice that the things you're doing are horrible, right? right? And so you've lost that shame. And, and I think that we need to go back and understand the value of shame because shame is introduced to us at the very beginning of the Bible. After the in, consuming of the fruit that you shouldn't have in yes. the first place. And then yes. when God comes, you, you go hide. Yeah. Yes, but, but shame is a protective mechanism. Yeah. Right. It's actually it's a good thing. It's a protective mechanism. It helps your conscience. It helps to reconcile your actions with your right. conscience. Right. right. And then you change things. That's what or, shame or, is. Or, 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 or if it's preemptive, even then you don't you don't get to do you that don't thing. Do it. Yeah. But, but greed over time makes it makes you it numb, makes your conscience it numbs your conscience. Yes. And and that and yes. that is what starting from Pope Pope, Pope, Pope St. John Paul II through Pope Benedict and now Pope Francis, they're talking about the new illness in, in our culture is the numbness of the conscience. The fact that sin has been normalized to the extent that things that were supposedly obviously scandalous half a century ago, they, they have been normalized because our consciences yeah. have been numbed with yeah. all of this gathering of material stuff. Yes. And so we are becoming blind to wrongdoings. And and, and you, you see that manifested in the wickedness that we have towards each that other. That we have towards each other. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's a, it's a. It's and people are going to war over these material things, and I don't care how many hundred thousand people are, 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 are dying. Are dying. Dead, dead now, and killing and and murder has been normalized. So long as it's just happening in some distant land, yeah, we don't care about contribution towards it. Yeah, it's it's a it's a pity, but the other very practical one that happens at home, I think. Let's let's come back to mm -hmm. to the couple. Is this vicious cycle that this couple gets trapped in? Right. The vicious cycle of ending, ending and spending. spending. Yeah. And you're always chasing your tails with your finances. Oh my god. Finances goodness. never meeting up. And the three exit we've seen worse scenarios where you're living in a very in a mansion, but you tend to always be crashing in the couch because by the time you come home you're too tired to go upstairs to the bedroom. But you are just walking. So you're working yourself to death. Off. Yeah. You're working yourself yeah. to death. You're gathering things that you cannot use. You cannot exactly. sleep on a very expensive bed up in the bedroom but it, and tuckle yourself into the very yeah. expensive bed, bed sheets because you have to pay the loans. Yes. Yeah. But it, and this is just because you've allowed greed to talk you into accumulating things that you don't need. You don't need. You they don't, don't add value to your life, Not to your marriage, yes. or to your community. Yeah. And it's breaking down the marriage because um, I think if we go back to COVID, the COVID-19 period, I can't count how many marriages we met that were on the verge of breaking because of the need. A couple, a couple decides that it's more important for the man or the woman to leave the home and go make more money in a travel contract somewhere because of that need to constantly afford these things that they don't really right. need. Right. And they are constantly in this vicious cycle. And, and that's where you see in the book very succinctly that greed actually leads to, to lie, to a lie, right? Yeah. Where, yeah. where, where, where you lie to, to others and to yourself in an yeah. attempt to cover your, your track, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. because you have this, this make-belief in the world, so then you have to live up to the expectations. It doesn't yeah. matter that, that it's hurting. You're working so hard, you drop. Pretty much you've yeah. set up a life where you've, you've shown the world a lie. And so because you've shown the world that lie, you keep up that lie and you want that lie to continue. Yeah. And as I like to say, that we're already somewhere that's captured. Really, we go around thinking that we have an audience. 
when every other person is struggling at their own end and they don't even care about what is happening in your life. Yes. We're all struggling with the same thing and we're all chasing our tails financially, earning and spending. If you only you can just shut down that that voice in your head that's telling you to have an audience, it's gonna be it's gonna be the difference is gonna be night and day. Yeah. Hopefully that is the 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 objective of this book. Hopefully by the time we get to the end, people will realize will that some of these things we can really it's shut by those down. desires and fears. Yeah. yeah. And so the Bible passage in the New Testament, Luke captures this very vividly in Luke 12, 15, where it says, a rich man who tore down perfectly fine bands to build bigger ones. So this somebody already has enough yeah. and has already, already has bands. Nothing against storing for the future because the, 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 the person is not being uh, accused for, 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 for building a band. But he broke down. You already had bands that he has bands. stored for the future. And then build bigger ones. Yeah. And then, then, then tries yeah. to console him that now he can relax. And that's yeah. when God strikes him there. But you know, the deeper lesson within this was that lack of shame, the lack of the ability to reconcile his conscience and see those around him in, in that level, needed the resources. The amount that of he had. motivation that is yes, around him. Yes. Yeah. He couldn't see that. He was just more, more, more consumed about accumulating more for him. How much the, the people around him can look up to him as the one that has and, 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 yes. and envy him. Yeah. Without him stopping for a second to think about the fact that those people that envy him, they just need a little share of what he has. So, so instead of adding more bands to what he already had, the excess that God was blessing him with was because God needed him to be the vessel through which he was going to take care of the other people. So, Jacob, there's one thing that I think it's not it's not in this book, but I wanted us to talk about a little bit: the differences in the currencies. Um, because I think it ties here because we're talking about resources, right? And you have the currencies. There are two kind of currencies that um, we trade in in this world. There's well, the, yeah, yeah, spiritual beings, right? As I like, yes. to, we like to say that 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 we, that we are we are trinitarian. Where we have we have a body, mind, and spirit. Yeah. And and so if if there's anything that's a currency, then you have to be different currencies relating to those two different beings. If if I if I can say that, yeah. so so there's there's a spiritual currency, and then there is the the, the physical currency. currency. So you yeah. want to take on that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just want to explain that to those that are listening that this this aspect of greed is because we focus more on the physical currency. And remember that the, 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 it's clear in the Bible that this earth is ruled by the devil. So mm -hmm. the currencies is not of God. The money currency that we trade in, in this world well, is well, not well, of well, God. We're dealing with what belongs to Caesar. Yes, we're dealing with what belongs to Caesar. And, so and, to Caesar, to Caesar. and Caesar can manipulate. It's just a metaphor for, yeah. yeah can manipulate oh, yeah. those resources, those that currency he manipulated. And it's very important that for us as, as children of God, fighting this good fight on earth, realize that your currency is not money. Your currency is grace. It's, grace. it's true grace that you unlock the, the spirit of God to do more for you. Right. It's not by the currency of this world. I know that there's been a lot of preaching about this prosperity gospel. Oh, God will give you more money. Which God will give you. Yeah. God is not giving you that. Sorry. God says that is Caesar's. Render to Caesar what is Caesar. However, God is going to show you the graces you need when you start being an instrument of his grace 
in other people's lives. So, and I think Lisa goes back to your very first Dr. Chapter that talks about your, your, your mission, your vision, and your purpose, right? If you know what your mission is, if you're working by towards God and towards unity, you're going to always have enough to meet your every need. You're going to yes. have enough of the physical currency. Exactly. Which, which the physical currency is not your ultimate goal. Mm -mm. It's just it's just going to be a means to an end. Mm -hmm. But if you're working at it towards your ultimate goal, you'll never get enough of it. You'll be stuck in that vicious cycle, yeah. which, which, which has a point. Yeah. And you become like this rich man that works himself to death, right. literally. Because yeah. the day he was finished building the bigger barn, yeah. God says your life is demanded of you. Come back home. Yeah. So, so, how, so how do you cure a greed then? One simple solution, self-control. Yeah. But we'll and, and talk that... about self-control later. Right, right. However, we need to understand what self-control comes from. Self-control comes, and in the from, spirit from of the, light, right? yeah. self-control comes from one of those armors of God, and it is the armor of fasting. Yeah. You have to make fasting, as we do, as we, as we discussed in one of the podcasts when we talk about the fundamentals of Christian marriage last yeah. year. You have to make fasting a way of life. You yeah. have to be able to fast a couple of hours a week, a day a week, or a day a month, but you have to make fasting something that 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 you do, or or, or that not, not something as an afterthought in your life, and that's how you build self control. Yeah, yeah, it's self control, and you can, like Jacob said, you build it through fasting. But we're not going to elaborate a lot on this because there's another chapter where we talk about fasting. But for today, our goal is just to open your eyes to see that some of your actions are not you. Some of your actions. Are you being controlled by the spirit? By the of spirit greed? of greed. Yes. Because it is a spirit. And as as the, as as Paul says in Romans 8:28, we wrestle not against the physical, but yeah. the spiritual. So always remember that. So at this point, we we, we said a closing prayer. Yes. Yeah, okay. You want to lead us in that? Yeah. Let us pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Gracious God, as we come to the end of this week, reflecting on the effects of greed in our lives and relationships. We humbly seek your guidance and grace. Help us as a couple to recognize and confront the manifestations of greed within ourselves. Grant us the strength and wisdom to let go of possessions and desires that hinder our contentment and generosity. Fill our hearts with gratitude for the blessings we have and inspire us to use our resources to bless others. May our love for one another be marked by selflessness and a shared commitment to live with open hands and compassionate hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us today. So next week, we're going to be uh, exploring chapter seven of fighting. Chapter eight. Five, chapter, chapter eight. Sorry, we just mm -hmm. left chapter seven today. Yeah. So next, we're going to be exploring chapter eight titled Proning the Fruits of Lust. Yeah, that's a whole different spirit too, guys. So right. join us next week, Tuesday for another podcast. But before that, Right. On Thursday, we're going to be having the live chat starting 9 p.m. where we yeah. dig, dig deeper into chapter seven, which is pruning the fruit of, of greed that yeah. we just covered in yeah. this, today's podcast. And if you listen to this podcast and you think that there's something you have to add to it or share with us, you're more than welcome to join Jacob and I as a guest couple on Thursday. Please send me a message, send Jacob a message. We uh, would uh, do all to bring you, you on. Us. At, on that Thursday at 9 p.m. We do welcome guest couples to come and have com conversations with us. And of course, if you're busy and have a question and you're unable to join us on Thursday to ask your question live, 
go ahead and submit the question to either Jacob and I by text, by WhatsApp. Um, you can drop this uh, the question right on here on the, um, the link that the goes YouTube out with this podcast. Right, you can drop that the question there, and we'll be able to answer that during the live session at nine o'clock. And Thursday. if you're listening to this podcast on YouTube, please like, share, and subscribe to the uh, YouTube, the Circle of Trust YouTube channel. Yep, and there we go. We've come to the end of this. Thank you guys so much for listening. We don't take you all for granted. It is with pleasure that Jacob and I spend our Tuesday evenings with you. Have a wonderful day, and uh, God bless you. Let's talk about love Like you and me all night And let's talk about love